We're going to be over in Luke chapter 24 here this morning. Of course, we know that Jesus rose early in the morning. We're looking at later that day. Just a little bit later. Luke tells us in chapter 24 and verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning. We all can relate to that. They and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared, but they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And the third day, rise again. And they remembered His words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other woman with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves. He departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. Well, as they were coming to the tomb, they come to the tomb the same way we come to many other things. They come to the tomb with expectations. They expected the stone to be there. They expected a body to be on the inside. And when they got there, they found it was empty and that there was no stone. How many times have we come to a situation with certain expectations and those expectations are different? Well, they certainly found themselves in that situation as well. We find out as we look at the story that they were even imagining how are we going to remove the stone? How are we going to deal with this? And what are we going to do here? They're, they're imagining things. How many times have we embarked upon different situations and not only do we have expectations but we have imaginations we are imagining things sometimes we imagine things are getting worse sometimes we imagine them getting better we go into christmas when we were younger maybe even now we have certain expectations and we have certain imaginations i'm imagining certain things are going to be this way or that way and sometimes they're good sometimes they're not so good But these I put in your outline, these can hurt you or they can help you. Our expectations and our imaginations, they can either hurt us or they can help us. Their root or their origins determine their outcome. Are our expectations, are our imaginations based on the Word of God, based on faith, or are they based on something else? They're either going to help us or they're going to hurt us. Well, we said this is later that day. That was the morning. Verse 13, Now behold, two of them... We're traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus. Even today, they're still not real sure where Emmaus is. But to get an idea of, of, of whether they... they um, it's, it's somewhere around seven to eight miles away from Jerusalem. So that gives you an idea about how far they were walking. It says right there, seven miles from Jerusalem. And they uh, seven or eight because you know, it may be seven miles straight, but the roads kind of wind a little bit. So they're about seven or eight miles away from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things that had happened. And so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. 
Now, they were talking about expectations. They were talking about imaginations. They were talking about things as they were. And were they based on the Word or were they based on something else? Well, we know when Jesus shows up that they were not based on the Word of God. They were based on something else. So it was while they conversed in reason. Most times we see that word reason showed up. It, it's not good. You know, the Pharisees were always reasoning among themselves. Verse 16, but their eyes were restrained so they did not know that it was Jesus who drew near to them. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Well, if we have a conversation with people and it makes us sad, that can kind of tell us what kind of conversation it is. So he he tells them, what kind of conversation is this that you're having? Then the one whose name was Cleopas, how many of you remember which one, which one of the disciples that was? <laughs> he doesn't seem to be one of the twelve, does he? We don't really know a whole lot about this guy, but we know that Jesus had more disciples than just the, the twelve. There were 120 at one point that had followed him, and there were other ones that just kind of tug along. Uh, Matthias was one who was one of the tag-along guys, and he's not named until later on when there was two named to find out who was going to take Judas's place. Uh, but Cleopas was not one of those. One place we do find him mentioned is over in John's Gospel. We think this is him anyway, in the 19th chapter and the 25th verse, where we find that, the, that they're describing the women who are at the cross. They don't use, they're not talking about, of course, him. He's not a woman. <laughs> but it says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother. What's his mother's name? Mary. Mary. And his mother's sister. She's probably not named Mary, huh? Mary, the wife of Clopas, and most tell us that that's the exact same person that we just saw. The spelling was just a little bit different. So it seems that his wife is named Mary, and we identify the woman by saying who she's married to. Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. So there's a whole lot of Marys present. So we need to identify each Mary. We got Mary, the mother of Jesus. We got Mary, the wife of Clopas, and we got Mary Magdalene. So more than likely, this guy, his wife was involved in the ministry. His wife was involved in going after this, as was he. And she was even one of the ones that was by the cross. So um, that kind of tells us a little bit what's going on there with, with those guys. Let's head on back. What verse were we at here? 18? Yep. Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, beside all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and a certain woman of our company who arrived at the tomb early, astonished us. Now, we know some of the women that went, and then there's just listed other women. And he's saying there's some women in our company. When we get to heaven, how many of you want to ask the question, was his wife there? Can you imagine this? If his wife is one of the other women, since she was one of the women at the cross, if his wife was one of the other women, and he uses this term to describe this to a stranger, well, some of, the, some of our women... <laughs> They came back with this, but it's kind of, kind of like a tale. Man, don't let that get back to your wife. <laughs> He'd be in trouble. 
But boy, that would be something else if his wife was one of the ones who was down there at the tomb, comes back and brings the thing, the report, and here he is talking about it this way. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. Now we know that wasn't Cleopas that went to the tomb, so he heard about that. Then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now it says that they spoke to Jesus. They don't know it's Jesus, but they're speaking to Jesus about what they knew. How often do we go into prayer and talk to Jesus about what we know? They're only talking about the things in verse 14 that said these things which had happened. Most times we go into prayer, we are talking to Jesus about the things that we know or the things that have happened. And I think Jesus might come to us the same way. He says, what are you so sad for? Don't you know what has happened in my life? (laughs) Don't you know the things that are going on? And we talk to him about the things that are happening in our lives that obviously he's not aware of. Because this man is obviously not aware of what the things of, do, do you not know what has happened in Jerusalem? But we've never come to God in that way in prayer. Do you not know what has happened in my life? Do you not know what I've been going through? Do you not know how hard it is? How tough it is? And we talk to him out of what we know. Because by what we know, I shouldn't be going through this. I shouldn't be having all this stuff going on. Because I know... I'm a pretty good guy. I shouldn't have to go through stuff like this. I've been serving the Lord, working hard. Why am I going through all these different things? We talk to him about what we know. Talk to him about things that have happened. What they are not talking about is the things... They're not talking about things that had been understood. They were supposed to understand the things of the prophets. They were supposed to understand. Remember last year we were looking at the disciples and how many times Jesus had gone over with them. I will be killed, beaten, but on the third day, I'm going to rise up. And before he gets to Jerusalem for the final time, pulls them aside. And he says to them again, look, this is how it's going to go down. I'm going to be turned over. I'm going to be tortured. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be killed, put in a grave. And third day, and one week later, They do not remember. They don't know. How is that possible? Because often we do the same thing in prayer. We are talking to Jesus about what we know, about what has happened, not about the things that we should understand. Our prayer life is not based on the things we should understand. It's based on what we know. It's based on what has happened. And it's why we're like these two guys. We're sad. Because they were sad. So what should we be speaking from? Well, we should be speaking from our understanding. We should be gaining understanding of the Word of God. And when we go to prayer, we should be speaking to God out of our understanding of the Word. He knows what's going on. Speak to Him out of your understanding. Speak to Him out of your expectations for what will happen when the Word works. Speak to Him about your imaginations. 
imagine the word working. Jesus tells us that the Word of God is able to do more than we could think or imagine. And yet, our imaginations, we usually go into negative side. These guys are walking, they're talking about, they're imagining how bad it's going to be now that Jesus is gone. We spent all this time following after Jesus, now He's gone, and we thought He was the Messiah, we thought He'd be the the King, but that didn't pan out. We cannot limit what we speak in prayer to what we know. We've got to let it go on to what we are gaining in our understanding. What expectations we have based on the Word of God and our imaginations. All these things need to be based on God's Word. Not just general things. But let's go on verse 28. Then they drew near to the village where they were going and He indicated that He would have gone further. But they constrained Him saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And He went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass as He sat at the table with them that He took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they knew Him and He vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while we talked with, with us on the road? And while He opened the Scriptures to us, so they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. They just told Him, it's late. You shouldn't go anywhere else. (laughs) And so they returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how He was known to them in the breaking of bread. So they all got together again. They're getting excited now because not only did the women see us, you see them, we saw them. If their eyes were suddenly made open, can we have the same expectation that our eyes will be opened? Now, what would we know? Would we know what our eyes are closed from seeing? Is there any way that we can know that our eyes have been closed from seeing something? If you can't see it, But once your eyes are open to it, then you see it all the time. But how do we even know that our eyes are closed to a thing that we know to ask about it or to look for it? Isn't that kind of an unreal expectation for God to have for us? I don't see it. I don't understand it. How does God expect me to ask Him to know something I don't know? My eyes aren't open to that thing yet. Well, the indication is right here in the story. As they were talking to Him, what did they say was going on on the inside? Did not our hearts burn within us? We've got to listen to that inward voice. When we are looking at a situation and on the inside of us, our spirit is saying, there's more. There's more. Oh, okay, there's something I'm not seeing. All right, I've got, got to press into this and find out what it is. Now, I haven't done this, but how many have gone to the, the new fad right now, the 3D movies? In the 3D movies, there are things going on that you will not see if you don't have the special glasses. But you put these special glasses on and the movie takes a different dimension. And some of the things begin to come out after you. And uh, the only place I've ever seen this, we were down at uh, Universal Studios. We took the family on down there and we sat into this one ride that apparently was an extremely popular ride. And for some reason, we hit it first and there was no one hardly in line. So we got in real quick. And we sat in there. Uh, I forget what it was. It was some one of those. Uh, what was it? Spider-Man. No, it wasn't the Spider-Man. It was the Terminator. Yeah, it was a Terminator guy. I had never even seen the movie, but we went on the ride and we sat on in there and we're doing this thing and we have the 3D glasses on, and the Mercury monster 
comes out. That's what he, he's a man out of mercury. And he, he I don't know if that's in the movie. Is, is the mercury monster in the movie? Well, okay, there's a mercury monster anyway in the, in the ride. And he came on out and he would reach out. And you could see him right in front of your face. He's just reaching out to get you. And then when they blow him up, you know, you're seeing him. He's, he's kind of all in the theater. And when they blow him up, they release these small water particles all over the theater. And so it feels like the mercury is landing on you <laughs> because he blew up. I was, it was quite fun to, uh, to see that 3D. But you wouldn't see that if you didn't have the glasses on. You wouldn't know all that was going on. There's a lot of things that are going on in our life that we don't see because we don't have eyes to see it. We haven't been open. But look how quickly they went from not seeing to seeing. It was instantaneous. They went from not knowing to knowing right away. And that's how it can go in our lives. We can face situations and we can be perplexed. We can be discouraged. We can be down about them. But as long as we talk to God, as long as we murmur in our own mind, as long as we grumble and complain and talk about the things that we know and the things that have happened, nothing's going to change. We have to get to the place where we talk to God about what has been revealed to me so far. What my expectation is based on the Word of God. What my imagination is based on the Word of God. And God will put into us imaginations even grander than we thought. He will put into us revelation. He will reveal things. He will open up our eyes and we will begin to see things. You don't have to go to a seminary to have revelation of the Word of God. In fact, most times, it's helpful if you didn't. Seminaries tend to kill people. They do. That's why I stayed out of them. We had a guy over at Ramah. The only professor we had who had gone to seminary and graduated, it was uh, Dr. Ken Stewart. And the only one we knew at the time, anyway. And he had gone to seminary. And he he uh, said people would come up to him and say, what seminary do you recommend I go to? He said, none of them. He said, I went to seminary with 10 spirit-filled friends, not Christian friends, spirit-filled friends who were all going into ministry. He said, I'm the only one who survived. And that was his wording. I'm the only one who survived. The seminaries teach you to doubt the Word of God. The seminaries teach you what parts of the Word of God are not for today, what parts, why it's fallible, why it's, you come out of there thinking it's just a book. I was given some books from uh, Bible college I went to, and some of them you could tell came from seminary and had this viewpoint. I kept the book as long as I had to get through class. As soon as class was over, that book was gone. I did not sell it. I trashed it. I didn't feel it was worth the, even getting money back on it from, from selling it. I don't, still to this day, I won't read a book if the author does not look at the Word of God as 100% inspired by God. I will toss everything out. I don't need to hear anything that they have to say. Because they're too prone to, to block. But, and if they're looking through the glass in a, in a false way, how does that not come over on me? I don't need to have that going on in my, my life. It's just like our, our news media does with this. How many of y'all know that Trevay Martin thing, whatever, I forgot the guy's name. I think that's what it is. All the news media now coming out saying, well, we doctored the tapes. ABC actually took the tapes and doctored them to make it sound like it was a racial incident. And it wasn't. If you heard the whole thing, that's not what was going on. But they doctored it. And you know what they said? 
We'll investigate and find out what happened. Yeah, right. See, that's why you don't listen to that stuff. Because they want to give you information and change how you think. That's why I don't go to listen to most of these guys that come out of seminary. They're dry. There's no life there. I want life in the Word of God. I want to look at the Word of God and say, oh, this is good. This is life. I don't look at the Word of God and say, is this really for me? I look at the God, Word of God and say, how does this fit in my life? How does this work for me? And that's what we have to do. Their eyes were closed, but instantly they were opened. Instantly our eyes can be opened to truth if we are pursuing it, if we really want to know. Verse 36, Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet, and that is I myself. Handle me and see, for the spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. And when he said, the, said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of boiled fish and some honeycomb. I'm sorry, boiled fish. And he took it and ate it in their presence. So he appears and they, he shows up after all this stuff has happened and oh, we've seen a ghost. I, I understand that maybe, you know, they, they may have had some reasons for wondering what was going on and but after you start to hear the stories and they're telling you about the teaching, reminding you of the teaching Jesus had taught you, and then you see him again, you, you think it's a ghost? Look what Jesus says about him. Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? The reason that doubts arise, arose in their hearts is because their thinking, their meditation was on, what are we going to do now? Oh, how bad it is. Their eyes were not open. They did not see the light of what Jesus had taught them. And because of that, doubts arose. It is imperative that we get revelation, that we continue to get revelation. You should get revelation every week you're walking with God. He should reveal more and more things to you. If you pursue Him, He'll show it to you. He'll show you more. Doesn't mean that everybody around you is going to get excited about what you got revealed. <laughs> but it means you will. It's what you needed. And they still didn't, he showed them his hands and his feet and they're still, it says, they didn't believe for joy. They were so happy about what was going on they didn't believe. How does that happen? <laughs> I'm not quite sure how that, how that goes on. But anyway, so he says, look, give me some food. I'll show you I'm not a ghost. I'll eat. And so they gave him some food and he ate and they watched him. It's kind of like that honey, uh, what was that, that the commercial with the little boy? Cream of rice, is that what it was? Remember that? That's a real old commercial. Little boy. They give Mikey the, the cream of rice soup. I'm not going to eat it. You eat it. No, I'm not going to eat it. Let's get Mikey. So they put it in front of Mikey and Mikey eats it. And Oh, it's good. They're sitting there watching him eat this just like they were watching Mikey. Wow. It's not falling through him. I don't know what they were all thinking was going to happen. But after this, and they kind of relaxed. And all right, this is, this is him. Ugh. Verse 44, then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it is necessary for the Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead the third day, 
and the repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So I spoke these words to you when I was still with you. But now their understanding is open. We have gone through portions of this scripture. We have learned things in the word of God, but our understanding has not opened. We've heard it. There are many people that have heard things about faith in Jesus. They can quote it. They can quote the scriptures. They can quote you all the stories of people who have been healed, and, but they don't understand it. It's not working in their life yet. It hasn't materialized. There's people who understand the love of God, but it's not working in their life yet. Or they, you know, they've heard the word of God, but they don't understand it to the way it's working for them. We've got to get an understanding of the thing. Because the only way it's going to work for you is if you understand it. Not know it. It's one thing to know a thing. It's another thing to understand it. That's where we have to get to. And our only way we get there is when our eyes are open. And apparently, Jesus can do this pretty easily. <laughs> All right. Don't see it. Don't see it. Yep, now you see it. <laughs> he can just do that. He's pretty good that way. Verse 50, and he led them out as far as Bethany and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Kind of a tough thing. He finally get, they finally get it right. And he leaves. Takes off. I don't know. But I think Jesus gets up there and says, he must go to the Father and say, are you sure they're going to get it this time? <laughs> I mean, they, they really need to get it. I'm gone now. Are we looking for our understanding to be opened? Or are we content to go around saying what we know? Listen to people. Many times people are just simply saying what they know. Well, I know I have this and I know that this will be the result and I know that this can happen and I know we're just saying what we know. But let your understanding be opened. And God will pour things into, into you. Jacob, when he was working for a boss who changed his wages on him, apparently 10 times. We don't have all the different times he did it, but he says 10 times and Laban doesn't argue. Every time that the wages were changed, God showed Jacob how to be blessed under the new roles. <laughs> and he came out of there so blessed. He came out of there with, with so much stuff even though his boss tried to cheat him. There is no situation we can be in. People trying to cheat you, people trying to lie about you, people trying to undermine you. doesn't matter. There is no situation that takes us on that the understanding from God will not enlighten us and get us around. Oh, and the stories about that go through the Word of God over and over. The king avoiding the enemy simply by going another way because the prophet warned them. Jesus not falling into a trap, not going in a certain direction because he was warned, he was given understanding of the situation, and good things came out of it. Lazarus was born out of understanding of the situation. And we can have some great things come in our life simply because we push, push into God to understand. Not just speaking what we know, but speaking what has happened. So this morning... Think about those things. Are we speaking what we know has happened when we pray? 
Are we speaking what I know? Or am I looking for revelation, understanding, my eyes to be opened and begin to speak something different? Because God's here to help us with that. Father, we thank you for the example you show us in the Word. That even some folks here who were just hard, tough to get this thing through, you opened their eyes and it just slipped right in. We can do the same thing. Once you open up our eyes, oh, understanding just slips right in. No matter where our mind is, we can understand the Word of God because it's discerned spiritually. You open up our spiritual eyes to see it. I thank you for the help that you give us on that. We endeavor to not just speak what we know, speak what has happened when we pray, but to press in for understanding and to speak that. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.